I am so happy to be with you. And I'll be very honest from the get-go, I've never spoken to a camera before. I only speak to people. So in my mind's eye, and in my heart, I can see you. So I'm speaking to you, and I trust. You know in the, in the Song of Songs where uh, the, the lover who's seeking the beloved says, here he comes, he's bounding over the mountains, he's leaping over the cliffs. That's a way of saying that for God, there is no obstacle in life. Distance, time, sin, nothing is an obstacle to him. So we're going to trust that this recording, this camera in front of me, is not an obstacle. That through this poor vessel, he can speak his word and fill your hearts. The reflections we want to rest with today is about the place of Mary in our life, the queen. And I want to preface this with, with two, two points that may help us understand where I'm coming from. And one is, in the ancient world, the queen did not mean the same thing as it means to you and I. Because when you and I think of queens, we know very few queens. We hear about queen, queens in the newspaper, and they are the wives of kings, or they are the daughters of kings. But in the ancient world, they were not. Because in the ancient world, kings had multiple wives. So you have multiple queens, that's a recipe for disaster. Or if they had one wife, they would never make her the queen because then she would be vulnerable. People would want to take her down. They can't get to the king, we'll kill his wife. If we kill the wife, then maybe I can be the queen. In the ancient world, the queen is always the mother, the queen mother, the wise one, the one who is not looking to advance herself, but is helping to support and foster the work of her son. That's why Mary is called the queen mother. The second thing I want to tell you a little bit about is my own perception. This, this is the lens through which I am going to speak today. I'm a Catholic. I was born, raised, I was baptized a couple weeks after I was born. Most of my education was in Catholic school, not solely, but mostly. But there was one time, there was one moment when Mary became very real to me. And it changed everything. It defined everything, the course of my life. I had been taught about Mary from the sisters at school. We made May altars. We had May processions, all good. My mother prayed to a blessed mother that she would be a good mother. All that's good. But when I was a young teenager, I got myself into, I didn't get myself into it. I found myself into a horribly painful, dark, chaotic time in my family. And it was at the death of my mother. And this was about two years after she uh, was killed in a car accident, very painful situation. And my family, like, we weren't talking. I had two brothers and a father, two guys and my father and me left. And so guys don't reach out and talk and connect. 
we were all just simply doing the best that we could do under the circumstances. And really what it was was alienation. We were all just stumbling through life on our own. This was two years after the accident. One afternoon, I was going to college, had a job, taking care of the household. And I got out of the car and I was going up to the front porch and I realized, ah, I didn't do the shopping. Well, when my mother didn't do the shopping, that meant we didn't have ice cream. When I didn't do the shopping, that meant there was nothing in the house. And I went to open the door. I just felt depressed and I felt overwhelmed. And when I opened the door, the house smelled bad. It had been closed all day long. Curtains had never been drawn. It was dank. It was in late November. It was kind of dark, musty smelling. And just overwhelmed with the loneliness and my inability. So I closed the door. I leaned against it. tasted the loneliness, tasted the burden. And it was the first time that I can remember that I prayed to Mary from my heart, like from my, my core. Not the pretty words, not the pretty songs, not the loveliness, but the utter forsakenness. And it wasn't a really poetic or very lofty prayer. I said two words. Help. And I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel any comfort. I didn't feel any strength. I didn't feel any guidance. I didn't feel any creativity on what I could cook for dinner. There was nothing. And I remember thinking, I can't lean against this door until I'm 40. Get going, kid. So I pulled myself up and I went into the kitchen and started fumbling around. And sure enough, in the freezer, I found a little bag of frozen something. Like, who knows what it was? It wasn't labeled. But okay, my, let's put it out. Open the refrigerator. Nothing's in there but an echo. Nothing is in there. That doesn't help anything. And I went to a cupboard and I found a box. Oh, hey, there's something here. And I found a can of something. Got it all together. My Both my dad and my brother, who was living home at the time, are truck drivers. So we had late dinner. And it were, they were always painful. And we sat down at the table and... The kitchen's a wreck, like no clean kitchen, no clean dishes in the cupboard. They're all stacked dirty, uh, dusty, lights are out. It's just not a good situation. But I looked out at my plate and I thought, we have, a, we have a balanced meal. We have protein, we have vegetables, we have starch. And then I looked up and I realized what had changed. My dad and my brother had both sat back in the chair and they were visiting. They were talking about the day, and they asked me about my day, and then we talked about what we're going to do tomorrow and who needs the car. And that was the moment I realized she is a mother, ready, willing, able to be with us where we are. That's who she is. In these reflections, there's just two questions we want to look at. One is, how do we know her? How do we get to know the very real person of Mary? And then the second question is, and what are we to learn from her? So 
So the first question, how do we know her? We know her through the scriptures. She was revealed. We were prepared in the Old Testament. The prophecies point to her. We didn't get it. We got it as much as we could. But there were prophecies that prepared the way for the Queen Mother. We really meet her for the first time at the Annunciation, this very young child, adolescent. We think she's somewhere between 12 and 15 years old. Encounters a very powerful, otherworldly, angelic being, and she's afraid. And he comforts her. He encourages her, do not be afraid. And he maps out the proposal that you will bear a son, and his name will be Jesus, and his reign will last forever. And she said, yes. How do you get there? Because when she heard this, pregnant, and she questioned, how is this going to be? It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mary had to have thought, this could cost me my life. An unwed mother is stoned according to Judaic law. His reign will last forever. She had to have thought Davidic king. She knew the Old Testament. Clearly she knew. And that's the secret. The reason that Mary could say yes was because she knew the Lord. She knew the Lord as the living Lord really is because the scripture is the living word. And she received it. She allowed it to shape her being. So when the angel proposed this to her, she had no contingency clause. Okay, I'll do this if. She had no calculations. Well, this would be good, but this wouldn't be so good. There was no consultation. Mom, what do you think? She didn't even say, okay, let me repeat this. You want me to be the mother of, of a child and he's going to be the king forever, which that's, sounds like David's promise, David's prodigy. Okay, so yeah, I got it. I'll do it. Count on me. Jadine, it was let it be done to me. As you say, you do with me whatever you want because I know who you are. And who you are is pure goodness, pure faithfulness, pure love. Read the Psalms. They're all, it's all there. She said yes to much more than she could fathom at the time what would ever unfold because she knew the one who was asking of her. The next time we see Mary is the visitation shortly afterwards. 
the spirit prompts her and she gets on her feet and she moves to Elizabeth. And we know that when she entered Elizabeth's home, the spirit fell on Elizabeth and the child within her leapt with joy. And the two rejoiced. We'll come back to that. The next time we see Mary is in the birth. And what we see clearly, and it's depicted in all of our art, she never hoards her son. She never protects him just to herself. Have you ever noticed in all churches of the Catholic Church, in the entire world, you will never see a statue or an image of Mary like this with a child. You'll see paintings, you'll see artwork, but it's never uh, presented in the church for veneration. Private meditation, absolutely. But she is always portrayed as giving us Jesus. That's who she is. The early church fathers called her the moon because she has no light of her own. She exists to reflect the beauty of the sun to the children. There's no ego in Mary. That's why she could say her yes. There was nothing in her, and there still is nothing in her. Draw her to draw your attention to me. Look at me. I am important. No, if you come to Mary, she's going to give you Jesus. That's who she is. After the birth, the next time we see her is at the presentation of the temple. She and Joseph go fulfill all righteousness according to the law. They enter the temple and the spirit falls again. And this time on the, the prophet, the prophetess, Simeon and Anna. And they prophesy. They hear words she would prefer not to hear. A sword will pierce your heart. And this child is destined to be a sign of falling for many in Israel. It's not clear. They offer two turtle doves, the sign of poor people. The next time we see them, it's at the present, it's at the finding of the temple. Twelve years have passed full of ordinary days of cooking, of sewing, of caring for neighbors, the ordinary life. You know, that is the tagline of Jesus Christ. The word eternal entered our ordinary life. All aspects of our life, getting in the car, going to college, doing whatever you're doing, but balancing your bank account, Everything has been changed. The ordinary life has been sanctified by the eternal word he came into. Nothing is an obstacle to him. Nothing. So at the present, at the finding in the temple, she feels anguish. She's human. Have you felt anguish? I felt anguish. Our mother is not a part of a separate. She's not up distance from our anguish. She has felt it, the confusion, 
my son, why have you done this to me? We thought maybe this was the final offering of the lamb when you were 12 years old. Mother, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? That's who Jesus is. He's always orienting us to the Father. Mary is always orienting us to the Son. Next time we see her is at the wedding feast of Cana. And you, you see the communion between the mother and the son. They know each other. They read each other. They're on the same path because they're both facing the Father at all times. They're all seeking to do the Father's will. When Mary asked Jesus, or told Jesus, they have no wine. She wasn't asking him to do more of what she already did. Like, I could do two, two jugs, but could you like, carry it over the line? They need seven. She couldn't do any. And she knew as his mother, she knew him she knew she could turn to him for anything. Show him the need. And then she takes her attention to the servants and she said, you, do whatever he, he tells you. Again, not pointing the attention to her, but always directing us to the power and the goodness and the love and the engagement of her son. After the wedding feast, the next time we see her is on the Via Dolorosa. A place that none of us ever want to go. But a mother's love. Where you go, I go. What pertains to you will affect me. You will not stand alone, son. I will be there. And that beautiful, beautiful sculpture of Michelangelo, the Pieta, where she stands in her royalness, in her regality. Cradling the corpse of her precious son. Have you ever noticed her right hand? What's the posture? Her left hand is holding him. And her right hand is open. Her gaze, she can't take her eyes off of him. She was the first one to lay her eyes on him in his birth. And all this time, their eyes, their gaze are always searching each other out. Her hand is still open as it was at the Annunciation. She never says, why? She never says, no. She simply says, how am I to understand this? The tradition has it is that when they sealed the stone, and they turned to walk away, that Mary said to John, John, where's Peter? Where are the others? And he says, I don't know, Mother, I don't know. And she said, we must find them. 
no vindictiveness that those idiots abandoned my son? It's the love of a mother. They need me. She's a gatherer. She brings us together. So the last time we see her in the scriptures is at Pentecost, the feast that we are celebrating. And again, the presence of the mother by God's design was there at the foundation of the church. And the spirit, the glorious spirit of the love between the Father and the Son was poured out upon them. The church was waiting. The, the community had gathered. They were praying. They wanted more of God. They were seeking his presence. And because of the presence of the mother, the spirit fell on them in abundance. What are we to learn from this? Everything stands and falls. Everything stands and falls on us knowing the Lord, knowing his heart, knowing who he is, and we can know him. You can't say, I can't say, oh, well, it's because Mary was the mother of God and she was immaculately conceived, and so she got all the scoop. He is as available to you and to me as he was to that child in Nazareth. Judeo-Christian faith is based on revelation, our icon of the sacred heart, where we see the picture of Jesus, the statues, the Jesus pulling back his garments, pulling back the sinews of his flesh, and making himself visible, making his heart visible. This is the heart that has loved you. That image is a perfect image of the sacred scriptures where God is pulling back the veil and revealing who he is. Reading the scripture is like reading no other book. Books might give us insight. They might give us understanding. The scripture alone gives us presence. He is alive. He speaks. He reveals. He heals. He strengthens. He directs through the sacred word. That's the first thing we learn from Mary, is embrace who the Lord is. Allow him to reveal himself to us, ordinary, broken people. The second thing is that God cannot, will not, fully and freely move in our lives until we give him permission. He's too respectful. He, he gave us freedom, and he will never take it back from us. And I don't know about you, but my yes is not, it's not as definitive as Mary's yes. And what we really need to understand is that does not cut us out of the race. Look at Zechariah, same angel. Same angel that appeared to Mary appears to Zechariah. And he says, You are going to, your wife is going to conceive. And he laughs. I'm like, Really? You think so? I'm an old, she's older. It's not going to happen. Tell me how it's going to happen. So what happened? Zechariah silenced. 
when he says, yes, the child's name will be John, he motioned. He didn't say it, but he motioned. But when he gave his consent, his, not only was his, were his lips open, but deep within him welled up a song of praise that the church to this day puts on our lips every single morning. Those who pray the divine office all over the world pray every single morning. God has come to save us. He has come to set his people free. Blessed be the Lord. Mary existed to give glory to God, to give praise to God, to be a praise of his glory. Zechariah did too, and Zechariah stumbled. But did Zechariah stumble thwart the plan of God? Not an ounce. And did it destroy Zechariah's destiny? No. Nothing is an obstacle to God. We only need to give him permission. So the church, every morning, good mother that she is, has us put on our lips the benedictus, the song of praise of God. I get a new start today. What else do we learn from Mary? We don't have to have it all together. She did not have the game plan. She didn't have the perfect strategic view. She only knew that she said yes to an angel and that her cousin, advanced and aged, needed some help. And she took the practical step, super important. Faith must be followed by a practical step. Do something. Faith is not just motion, uh, notional. We respond, we express faith. The Holy Spirit will prompt you, maybe not with your whole life mission, but he will prompt you on what needs to be done today. Mary got on her feet. She went to Elizabeth. She encountered the Spirit. The two women, faith-filled women, encountered the Spirit. We never do this journey alone. We must always be in community. Whether you are being called to the community of a family, the domestic church, or you are being called to the community of a parish as a dedicated, single worker, missionary disciple, whether you are called to be consecrated in religious life, in community. We are always in community. We are never expected to figure this out by ourselves. So to form good, solid friendships of, with other faith-filled people strengthens us, but between the two, it always releases the power of the Holy Spirit. I leave these thoughts with you with great love and a promise of prayer because the Carmelite sisters, as you probably already know, have a deep and unrelenting commitment to foster the spiritual lives of everyone we meet. 
the best we can, however the Spirit leads us. And so we have been praying for you. We will continue to pray for you. And we're going to pause right now. And we're going to listen to a little musical reflection. And it's uh, a song written by our sisters, sung by our sisters. But the words are from one of my best friends. We never met physically yet. She's a Carmelite, Elizabeth of the Trinity, Saint Elizabeth of the Trinity, prayed that God would use her, that God would fill her, that God would make of her a praise of his glory. So let's pray that where we are today, not what we're going to be doing in three years from now, but today, may we be a praise of his glory. And may our mother, the Queen Mother, Teach us how and walk with us continually. God bless you.